0: College circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here for the next 20, 30 minutes. Recently, I had a professor reach out to me. We had talked through Clubhouse and I'd asked her if she talked to her students to find out some topics that were At the forefront of their mind, especially after a year and a half in a pandemic, what were some of the concerns that her students were expressing to her? One of the responses that she came back to me with was, building relationships with professors and other students, especially after a year of remote learning. Many of her students remarked that they had lost practice in how to have conversations in person, and it gives them more anxiety. Now, episode 104 speaks directly to how to connect with your professor and others, but I specifically wrapped it around the professor because many students, especially me, when I was back in school for my (laughs) over a decade, found it um, difficult to approach a professor and let them know when I was struggling, and most of the time the struggle was real in my mind, but if I had just applied myself a little bit more and asked questions and gone to office hours, a lot of that stress would have been alleviated. So I highly recommend you go back and listen to 104 to specifically learn some great techniques to communicate with a professor, because it's very important that you put your best foot forward there in building that relationship. They have, in many cases, hundreds of students, and it's not that they care about any of them more or less than others, there are just some who make sure that they are asking for help and being familiar with the professor and going to them before the grades start to slip unbearably low to the point where you know sa- saving them becomes almost quadruple the work had you just stepped in. What is it? My mom used to say a stitch in time saves nine. You know, it's like eat before you're hungry, drink before you're thirsty kind of mentality. You know, approach the professor, go to the tutoring center. The, every college I have reached out to to go speak at has a success center where there is tutors and people available to help you. So be mindful of how you are seeking out the help and how you're seeking out the connective conversations. Every day you have a choice to either evolve Or just repeat the previous day's behaviors. The mind will have 50,000 thoughts a day. And that number seems to fluctuate no matter how much I research it. You know, there's 100,000 thoughts a day. La 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 la. But this number that I really find interesting is that generally about 90% of the thoughts you have day in and day out, over and over and over and over, are just recycled thoughts from the day before. So when you find yourself feeling anxiety about going and talking to a professor or meeting someone new and having a connective conversation, you're generally just recycling about 90% of the thoughts you had from the day before. And if they are with an undercurrent of anxiety, then you're just taking the anxiety from the day before and you're bringing it into the now. And so for today's theme, we're going to discuss how to release the anxiety that you feel around Having conversations with people face to face over the phone, because it really seems to be a lost art on how to communicate with people when you're right in front of them, and even over the phone it may not seem like it's right in front of them, but it 's much more direct, and your response time is more critical than when it's texting when you can sit there and type your response fifteen times and keep erasing it and you just there's so much nuance of conversation that's lost in texting, but yet that seems to be such a preferred method. And I swear if I read one more article or talk to one more quote-unquote adult who thinks that it's just millennials glued to their phones who love texting, I'm going to freak because I can assure you I see just as many 40, 50, and 60-year-olds staring at their phone day in and day out who also text just as much or don't text enough Uh, with my dad, I'll sit there and, you know, write out something real quick. I just need a quick answer or a a quick moment of connection. And his response back is like, yes, no, maybe. And I'm like, dude, that's not a conversation. (laughs) The question I asked dictates that you answer with a lot more information within yes, no, or maybe. So, So it's not a millennial thing. Let's make sure that we stop. And if you let me let me make sure i get this thought out before i just move on because i can already see that my brain's really ready to hyper accelerate through this conversation when we try to place blame about a certain use of technology upon just one generation we kick in our confirmation bias that will prove our brain's correct on that so if we say millennials are always staring at their phones gen xers are always staring at their phones then our confirmation bias will show us that and we'll completely miss the part where the baby boomers and other people are just as much on their phones. Confirmation bias is absolutely real. It shows up in every facet of your life. Your brain doesn't want to be wrong, so it will seek out ways to prove what you think to be right. And so when you think that it's just a generational issue, then that's exactly what your brain will show you. And then you'll completely miss all the 50 and 60 and 70 year olds who are just as much staring at their phone to pass time. It boggles me that people can't just sit still and look around when they're sitting on a park bench any longer. right? It's almost like you're a weirdo if you're just sitting there looking at birds or trees. Back in the day, just sitting there and staring off into the distance was just the go-to move to kill some time in between appointments or just to relax. Now, because of a phone, it's like the moment... We sit down. If we don't have it in our hands and we're not doing something, we get this sense of anxiety. Like, I can't just be sitting here doing nothing. I must pick up the phone. I must be looking like I'm productive. I can't just sit at this table while the person I'm eating dinner with goes to the bathroom. I must now pick up my phone like I'm important and things are going on. No, no, you can just sit there and just eat your meal or look at things on the wall or stare off into space and daydream. All of those are options. You don't have to stare at the phone because I believe truly that the phone is what brings in so much anxiety because the immediacy of being able to reach out to anyone via text message or email has overtaken our society to such a great extent that When we finally get face-to-face and have an opportunity to talk with people, the fact that we can look at them in the eyes, that we can notice their physiology, their body language, and all of a sudden there become so many more details of the conversation, these little nuances that we may not be as well off at reading. And so today we're going to really talk about how to release the anxiety of these conversations of these opportunities to actually connect with someone. And while I have plenty of ways that I teach how to read body language and facial expressions and eye movements in my NLP courses, we're not going to dive that deep into those details today because, again, there's a lot of nuance to teaching those that it's going to take a lot longer than 20 minutes. What I can say about releasing anxiety when you are in the midst of a conversation or preparing to get into a conversation is that anxiety becomes a future pacing, made up imaginative imaginative assumption of how the conversation is going to go. Now that sounded a little overcomplicated. Let me just state it this way. When you feel anxiety around something, it's because you're in your head daydreaming up about how you think it's going to go and you're, putting this energy that it's not going to go well straight into your brain. Confirmation bias kicks in, and next thing you know, there's a lull of silence. You say something, you're not sure how it landed or how it's going to be received. Anxiety starts to go in your mind, and now you're in your head thinking of a response, trying to figure out a way to backtrack what you just said. Meanwhile, the other person's talking to you, and you're not even listening. I really, really pay attention to the way that people talk because communication is one of the main tenets of my teachings. I have whole speeches built up around how to communicate more effectively with people, how to communicate through the senses and how to understand how people take in the world. All of that stuff is fine and dandy and it's awesome to teach and learn. When I ask my students, when I ask the attendees of my workshops and such, what is going on in their head when they're having a phone conversation or they're talking to someone face to face, more often than not, when they finally get down to the nitty gritty, when they finally are truthful with themselves and thus they can actually give me a truthful answer, it comes down to the fact that they're in their head thinking about what they're going to say and not actually listening to what the other person is responding with. When the anxiety kicks in and you start worrying about what you're going to say next, so you spend the whole time in your head thinking about what you're going to say next, you're not really listening to what the other person's saying. Thus, key information that they say to you that gives you your follow-up question, that gives you insight into how they're feeling, how they're seeing the world, what it is they're hearing you say to them. You're missing all of those finer points of detail because you're too busy in your head thinking about what you're going to say next. This is going to come off as way too simple of an answer because honestly it really is that simple of an answer. When you start to feel anxiety about what you're going to say next, when you start to feel the anxiety of how you're being perceived in the conversation, you want to step into an energy exchange of you being present and actually listening to that person. Listen to the answer that they give you back. Follow up with a, with a compassionate or, or, or a curious, interested answer. Some of my favorite ways to respond to people whenever I'm having a conversation with them and I really want them to feel like I'm listening to them and I'm actively paying attention to what it is they're saying is to come back with sentences that utilize the word curious or interested. Because genuinely feeling curious and interested about what somebody is saying will have them feeling that you're connected to them in that conversation. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say next if you're just listening for really key words that they're using when they respond to you, that you can then bring back and and utilize to dive in deeper to the meanings of what they're feeling, seeing, hearing, saying in that moment. I mean, this is truly the beauty of it, that you don't have to worry about what to say if you're just listening to what they're saying and then asking a follow-up question that brings in deeper meanings and feelings from them back into you. I hear this happening so often whenever I watch people who interview. Me and one of my buddies, Thomas, who I am talked to on a daily basis, we both consider ourselves to be pretty damn good interviewers because it's not about preparing five questions before The conversation. I prepare no questions before the conversations. In fact, I will often meet the person I'm going to interview 15 minutes before I hit record on the microphone, and I might ask a couple questions about their background. What are some key things that they believe in? What's a key principle they live by? And that's more or less really just to have them feel like they're building rapport with me. I don't need any of that for myself shake my hand and get on the microphone and I can assure you it's going to be a beautiful conversation because I'm going to be actively listening to what they say and listening for some of those finer details, some of those key words that ex- that will express to me what it is they're feeling in the moment, what it was that they saw when they recalled that memory whenever the the voice cracks a little bit here or there, I understand that that's the emotional nuance of a conversation and that's some key insight into how I can really get more into what they're saying so that they can feel safer, feel more comfortable talking about themselves with me, to me. See, when you're in your head thinking about what you're going to say, you're not listening to what they're actually saying. want to release anxiety during a conversation, just be in the conversation. I know that this sounds super simple, and I do absolutely positively remember what it was like to be in middle school, high school, and college, to see a girl that I was attracted to, get the nerve up to go across the, the, the party or the bar or the library, wherever it was, and then say something that's going to make me not seem like a doofus. (laughs) And absolutely, I get it. Breaking ice, it can seem very difficult. Hey, how often do you come here or whatnot? You know, you can read plenty of books that will tell you to compliment a piece of jewelry or their shoes or their makeup or their purse or something, right? But I find that if I just go up and just say, hello, and especially, you know, now at my age, I, I'm telling. I swear to you, once you once you get into your 40s, the beauty of this is that you stop caring so much about what people think about you because you realize that people really aren't thinking about you; they're in their head thinking about themselves and how you perceive them. So while you think that everybody's looking around judging you, and yes, there are those people who have. Less to do than others, and so they they feel so uncomfortable that look they don't something they feel they have less to do than others they feel they feel so uncomfortable in their skin. the best way to bounce that back off of them is to just ridicule what other people are doing because hey the to me, I honestly think one of the easiest things to do in communication is just complain and bitch and moan about nothing, complain about the weather, complain about the traffic argue, debate. like It, it just seems like conflict is the easiest form of communication. So if you find that other people are judging you, I can assure you it, it has more to do with how they are perceiving themselves in their own mind and so much less to do with you. That doesn't mean that you completely reject what other people say to you if you ask them really important questions about your behavior in public or how you know how you approach people or when you ask someone hey is there better ways for me to communicate right it doesn't mean that what they're saying to you is necessarily not actually useful to you it doesn't mean every single answer they come back with is just a projection of what they think about themselves onto you but you will want to be mindful about who you're asking an opinion about your communication from right don't ask if you wouldn't take advice from them, if you, if you look around at the way they behave in public and you don't think that they necessarily are connecting with people, probably not the best person to ask for advice on how you can be a better communicator. But when you see someone who understands the nuance of conversation, who's really good on the phone, who's really good at meeting people, breaking ice, that's a person you can ask some questions to. And you can, you can Google the hell out of this. Certainly I did to try to see if there was anything that was going to floor me. And there really wasn't. You know when I when I googled like how to feel more comfortable on the phone it was like just put yourself in a situation to t- to make more phone calls. Well, I mean that's great and all, but if you don't want to make phone calls then your mind's not going to put you in a situation to make more phone calls. Humans love talking about themselves. Release anxiety by asking another person about themselves and then really dive in deeper to their response. Somebody's like, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. All right, fine sounds cool and all, but what what's really going on? How was your morning? You know, how's your week been this week? Is there anything that's happened in the news or at home that's caused you to feel a little bit of anxiety because of COVID or because school just started and get them to come back with a more um, deeper answer. When you ask questions that can be answered with fine, good, bad, like real simple one-offs. And this I see this happen with parents all the time. Okay, not all the time. That's a that's a universal qualifier. That's not necessary here. I I, I notice this happening with parents frequently. When they'll ask their kid, how was your day at school? And they come back with, good. It's all right. I mean, what do you expect them to say? But if you ask a more direct question, how was second period history class? I know you've been having some issues with communicating with your teacher. Let's discuss that. Then you find that the person will actually come back with a more detailed answer. When you want to connect in a conversation, be curious and be interested why that person feels the way they feel. They, t- they say the things that they say, the way that they see the world. You don't want to bust it out like you're an FBI interrogation room with a lamp above their head. But you absolutely want to ask questions that get them to dive in deeper. Every day, again, you have the opportunity to evolve or you're just going to repeat. And this repetition is just the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same behaviors, day in and day out. Connecting with someone in a conversation is an absolute amazing way to evolve. You don't have to seek out ways to grow every single day. You can just mindlessly go through life, but I'm assuring you right now that your mind, your body, your experiences of the world, it's going to be learning something new every single day, whether you're paying attention to it or not. Picking up the phone and calling someone that you're interested in or calling the professor up and letting them know you're struggling these are going to be things that are going to happen throughout your life. You're going to have to call a coworker in your 30s or your boss in your 40s or you're going to be in a relationship for a long time and then that's going to go away and now you're going to find yourself, quote unquote, back out on the market. People have anxiety about this because this this worry that they're being judged and I'm assuring you most people are so busy in their own minds judging themselves, they're barely paying attention to what you're saying. So when you create a space of, for a conversation where that person really believes that you're listening to them and taking things in, your, your, your hope, your the task in front of you to connect with them through questions is that they also sense that through this safe space, they can ask you some questions back. And now you're actually having a really informed conversation and learning about one another. I'll close on this and, and be really mindful of this too. When you're in a a group you know of your friends and you know, whether that's 2 people or 10 people how often is it that somebody says something and rather than anybody asking a question or looking for the finer nuance of the statement they mainly just reply with something that they've done in their lives this recently happened to me when i was having a conversation about concerts with a group of friends And the question came up, like, who was your first concert? And so we all just went around and mentioned who our first concert was. And then it just became this conversation about music. And it it really got, it it dove pretty quickly into just being like this sense of one-upsmanship with everyone. Like, oh, I went and saw this band. Oh, I saw this band. I saw this band. And while we were all learning about bands that we'd seen, I honestly can't remember any of the bands that most of the people threw out unless it was a band that I was really into and then it became, oh, I saw them there. I saw them there. They played this song. But none of us were really asking any deeper question. Like, why did that band somebody you prefer? What is it about their music that caused you to see them 20 times? Why was that your first band, right? If everybody's first concert, there's a story behind that. How did the, mine was Charday? Me and my mom love Charday, And when she was playing at Deer Creek, we absolutely couldn't wait to go see her. I mean, her music is, is just... Gosh, if you go back and go on Spotify and type in Chardet, it's spelled S-A-D-E. Her voice is just amazing. Second concert I ever saw was Aerosmith. Oh my goodness, going and seeing them talk about rockers. If somebody asked a deeper question, they'd find out that I saw them at Deer Creek and then I drove down to Louisville and then I drove to Cincinnati and I saw them three times in five days. That's how much I enjoyed the concert and I was in high school. No one asks any deeper questions. And in my attempt to ask deeper questions in this conversation, other people would interrupt with what they had experienced at a concert they went to. So while we were all talking, and it felt like we were connecting, I've gone back and I've asked some of my friends what they remember about that conversation, and it's not much. They don't remember many, if any, of the bands that other people mentioned they went to, but they definitely remembered what they said. And that's going to be... The way we end this episode, people will remember what they said way more than they're going to remember what you said, unless you give them the opportunity to dive in deeper and really to explore what it is that they are really desiring to say. I can guarantee you, when someone has the courage to call you, the anxiety you feel before you call someone was pretty similar to what they were feeling on the other end of the phone. You want to release that anxiety. Stop worrying so much about how you're being perceived in the conversation and instead actually be in the conversation. Release anxiety by getting out of your head and being present in the moment. Be curious. Say things like, I'm really curious. Why was that the first concert you went to? Or, I'm always super interested in knowing how people got into certain kinds of music. What was what was going on in your life that Chardet was the very first band that you went and saw? Right, There's so much behind that question that I can now answer that people could really get a, a sense of what kind of connection my mom and I had around music and why she was the person who took me to my first concert. But if no one stops long enough to actually listen to my answer, they're going to miss so much information that would be really valuable for them to learn about me and what really drives me. Be that person in the conversation that people walk away from going, "Man, they're just really present. They just really they really care about what it is I'm saying." They will then seek you out for conversations. And I can assure you, when others seek you out, the anxiety is way less because now they're showing curiosity in you. And that reciprocation of curiosity about other people's lives is how friendships are formed and how connections are made. And one day you will be sitting in front of someone 20, 30 years your younger, your junior, talking about your best friends from college whom you're still friends with. And those great friendships will have been formed because you will have connective conversations when you were younger. That is the beauty of deep communication. It leads to amazing friendships release anxiety by being present in the conversation. No longer are you willing to be in your own head. Instead, be in the moment. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. See you guys again next week. Bye-bye.